to Totalus Rankium. This week, Ground Eye Eye! And welcome to Roman Emperor's Hotel's Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And here we are in the I-I-est of Rams. Ooh. Double I. Double I. 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 Yes. If you switched off, you apologise. <laughs> I wonder which, which episode has the worst opening. I bet it's the first for you. I think now this one. <laughs> Possibly this one. <laughs> Yes. Right, here we are in the second of our six first rounds. Yep. We have four more emperors facing each other, ready to go to the Colosseum. But who will go through this week? We have Valentinian, Julianus, Otho, and Caligula. But we're not going to talk about them yet. <laughs> because just like last week, when we talked about Phytius Maximus, this week we're talking about... Approbium Crazium. My favourite round. Your favourite. Approbium Crazium. So, hazard a guess. Which was the craziest of the dynasties? Oh, okay. Well, I know we gave quite a few points to the Julio-Claudians. So you got Tiberius and Caligula in there. And Nero, Nero. But we didn't class him as too crazy. Oh, he still scored high. Um, but we've got the, the Commodus and Domitian. But Domitian's brother wasn't really Titus. Yeah. Commodus... Yeah. Marcus Retton, no, not really. I'm going to go to Claudians. Oh, yes. Runaway winners yeah. in this round. <laughs> okay, Hugely. good. Third place was the Year of the Five Emperors, but that's a kind of cheating because yeah. there were only three of them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They just weren't that crazy, but technically they come in third mm. with an average score of 7.5. Next is the Tetrarchic Wars, so Diocletian and okay. Maximian, but Galerius as well. They came in in a healthy 7.5 also, but slightly above yeah. the other one. In first place, on 12.8 average score, <laughs> is the Julio Claudians. <laughs> they hugely win this. They were a bunch of crazy frogs in a box. They were, though. Yeah. Because I guess at that point, the emperorship hadn't been established as a prestigiousness. Yes. It was after that where it was like, you know, I'm a semi-demigod sort of thing. Yeah. There, they were just like crazy maniacs with way too much power. Yeah, pretty much. So they could do pretty much whatever they wanted. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> they oh, really they did. did. Yeah, the, the the rules hadn't really been established. <laughs> and they <laughs> no. just went for it, yeah. They were written in pencil. Yeah. The Sanus dynasty. Ooh, the Antonine. Yes, if you take off Commodus. He really pulls <laughs> that lot down. <laughs> um, yeah, it would have been the Golden Age. Commodus ruins it. Their average is 5.2 because of Commodus. Yeah. But it goes right down to 3.2 without him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the Theodosian become the sanest with 3.8. Okay. But most of that is because we just don't have much on them, to be honest. That's true. And probably yeah. didn't have time as well. Oh, don't forget, the well, yeah. Theodosian dynasty had Arcadius and Honorius and Theodosius too in, three of the longest rulers in the history. But because it was all about their generals and not them, we just didn't really have much on them. That's so maybe true. that's why. And actually, I'm lying to you, because technically the fall of the West, the last nine, came out the sanest with an average score of 1.4. But that's just because there's nothing to be said about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah they kind of got that by default, so I'm not counting yeah. them. Yeah. They weren't really emperors, were they? Yes. Right. Okay. Bottom five. Who were the three sanest emperors? Well, I remember scoring quite a few on zero, but that was either because of 
lack of information. So I'm guessing you've vetted these. Ah, yeah, it's almost like you're reading my notes. 27 emperors scored zero, yes. which is a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking... That's a lot of sanity. That's a lot of sanity. But, like you said, most of this is due to lack of sources. Mm. Yeah. So, let's remove them. And I did this very unscientifically. I just looked at that list of 27 and just went, don't know much about him, don't know much about him. <laughs> and then ended up with a list of seven. Okay. So I just knocked 20 of them off straight <laughs> away. Fine. Most of them were in the crisis period or right at the end. Still tricky, though. We've still got seven and we want three, the three sanest. So what I did is I got the top three scorers okay. with zero opprobrium crazium points. Yeah. Because I figure that if you manage to score high in other areas and yet you have no opprobrium crazium, you must have been very sane. It's not that we don't know about you. It's that you managed to achieve a lot and at the same time there was no crazy. <laughs> there was a semblance of sanity in yes. there somewhere. So we don't need to discuss this because I've just okay. done it numerically. Let's do it. If you do this... This is what you come up with. These are the official Totalis Rankium sanest emperors. In third place, Gallienus. Okay. Fighting his way through the crisis period yeah. and losing a lot. <laughs> but he tried his best and he was very sane in a mad, mad world. Do you think it'd really annoy if you said to him, it's the taking part that counts? <laughs> probably. <laughs> you tried your hardest. I'll kill you. You probably won't. <laughs> You'll try. <laughs> Second, Constantius, interestingly. Yeah, that... that... He of the big chin. <laughs> yeah, he, he scored second highest with no opprobrium crazium okay. points. Yeah, we will discuss him more when we get to his review episode shortly. First of all, though, this is fairly obvious, but it's nice that he gets recognised for it. Trajan yeah. is our sanest emperor. He wasn't in any way crazy. He was incredibly successful. Yeah. Yes. So, Wadden Trajan, you are the sanest emperor. Insert round of applause sound effect here. <laughs> Took me ages to find that sound clip. Did it? Yeah. 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 Scanning the sites, the sound clip mm, sites. Yes. Yeah. Finally, finally found what fit perfectly. Did, yeah. yeah, it was really good. Right, okay, but here's what you really want to know. Yes, I have an idea. Who were the craziest of emperors? Oh, yeah. Right, we've got a bit to discuss here. Great. Because our fifth place is set, but third and fourth is a tie, and first and second is a tie. So we need to put these into order. Okay. So this one is set in fifth place. Our fifth most crazy emperor, <laughs> and this one might surprise you, it's Vitellius. Vitellius? Yes. Interesting. Especially when you realise that Nero comes in joint sixth with Maximinus Dyer. So he beats Nero... Vitellius is our fifth most crazy emperor. And I did. I, I thought, really, it was an early episode. Maybe we hadn't got the hang of this. Maybe we, <laughs> yeah. were, maybe we were talking nonsense. So I went back and I looked at it. Here's a brief recap of his crazy. Okay, childhood friend of Caligula. Well, straight yeah. away. That's... Straight away. That's not looking good, is <laughs> no. it? In order to inherit his fortune, when his wife died, he murdered his own son. I forgot about that. Yeah, so yeah. had I. Yeah. Wow. The, the money was going directly to the son, so he killed his own son to inherit the fortune. And then he blames it on suicide. Then he goes on and does the usual stealing from the provinces. So oh, his yeah. usual bad egg, but to be fair, lots of people did that. Upon becoming emperor, he banished all astrologers in case they created prophecies about him. And then he scoured the city, killing any he could find. <laughs> he also enjoyed watching torture and the execution of others. Did he do that during meals? 
Am I thinking of somebody else? You might be thinking of something else, although there's a lot to be said about his meals. Um, <laughs> once, as a man was being dragged away, begging for forgiveness, the emperor called him back, and then everyone around him applauded him, saying, oh, your clemency is, is amazing. And he just says, actually, kill him right now in front of me, because, and I quote, I would feed my eyes. Oh. Yeah. That's a sick, sick man. Yeah, he once ordered the execution of a group of people because they supported a different team to the one he supported in the chariot races. Wow. He heard a prophecy that great things would happen to him once his mother had died. He starved his own mother to death. <laughs> yeah. See, the fact of that is it's, it's almost more cruel than just slitting her throat as well. <laughs> yes. That really yeah. hammers home what... Uh, yeah, he was. He practically empties out the treasury on all of his feasts, which were ridiculous in terms of money spent, sheer volume of food, and also how often they took place. Well, his with, feasts were ridiculous. Well, with my recollection, he's the only bus that was actually fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looked unhealthy. Let's just say. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I mean, even his statue was yellow. It... <laughs> I, he, he would spend obscene amounts, and it's impossible to translate it into modern-day money as much as people try, but we can just say it's obscene it's a lot. amounts of money. <laughs> yes. When he was hunted down by Vespasian's men, remember yes. when he was running, yeah. he took two men with him, a baker and a chef. I remember that, yeah. yes. <laughs> and we joked about that. Yeah, but it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes... Feed me on my journey. He beats Nero, which might some people might go, but Nero, he tried to kill his mum on a sinking ship and did kill his mother. Well, mm. so did Vitellius by starving her to death. He killed his own son. He used mm. to execute people and watch it and enjoy it. I, I, I think he's definitely up there with Nero. And we did these two practically back to back and we ended up saying he was worse. So I think we need to trust I, our I early judgment. I, I don't think Nero was cruel. No. He was just a bit... Of a drama queen and a bit stupid. Yeah. Nero comes in sixth, though. I mean, it's a respectable yeah. score. Uh, but, yeah, there you go. So that's our fifth place. Now we've got a decision to make. Wrong. Because joint fourth and third on 17 points each... Vitellius got 16 points, by the way. So on 17 points each is Domitian and Caracalla. <laughs> Two very different types of opprobrium crasium here. Yes. So we need to decide which one. Caracalla gets it for just being terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And just doing crazy things. The fixation with his brother. Yeah, exactly. It's frightening. Yeah. Domitian gets it for upsetting the Senate, being paranoid, and having a bit of a mean streak. The flies. Yes, and the flies. I mean, the flies are serial killer stuff, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. So let's have a quick brief recap on why these two were crazy. So Domitian, like you say, the flies. The flies is a big one. Yes. He executed people very readily. If people had any way displeased him, he just executed them. He crucified a historian when he did not like his work. But not only that, I mean, that's bad, but this is the bit that tips it into the crazy. Mm. He then also executes all the scribes who were working on it. Ooh, that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's not on Domitian. Come on. I I could argue. I would argue that censoring. Yes, it is. Pretty I, extreme censoring. Yeah, I understand it, but oh, and it's probably on. happened before. Other rooms have probably done that. It's just well, yeah. His reputation is probably even more okay. What about this then? He executed an actor because he reminded him of someone he didn't like. Okay, that'd be that's that's a bit nuts. <laughs> that's it's beyond the pale. That's yeah, what that, that is. That's a bit power crazy though. Yeah. 
He clad his palace with reflective marble so he could see any possible assassins. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's full-on paranoia, that is. Yeah. Or and you to, say that, he he was assassinated. Maybe it's not paranoia. And to be a reflective surface, it has to be very, very obviously very shiny, but very smooth. So yes. I just imagined like, walking to someone slipping in the corridors and stuff. Oh, everyone wearing socks. <laughs> yes. And doing the slides. <laughs> and it's really cool. Da, 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 da. What's that? <laughs> They'll get it. <laughs> Who it's, will get um, it? <laughs> I don't that, get that. That film. Oh, um, Tom Tom Cruise. Oh, I forgot the name of the film. Top Gun. No, no. He's done more than that film, wrong. No, he hasn't. <laughs> where, where he slides in and just a t shirt in his pants. Oh, no, no, I think I know what you mean now. But yeah, so that was going on all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, until the emperor walked in and everyone stood up really quick. Oh, my God. Why are you in your pants? (laughs) Uh, I'm just trying to kill him. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like that. Yeah. Okay, right. So, I mean, that shows levels of paranoia. Yeah. Okay, he had an affair with his niece. That's not good, but it gets worse. She got pregnant, so he forced her to have an abortion. Back in those days, oh. an abortion is practically a death sentence, which isn't good. Also, the opprobrium, he despised the ruling class and did all he could to displease them at any opportunity. He was also very paranoid about losing his hair. His hair? Yeah, do you not remember? His hair was thinning no. and he didn't let anyone mention it, which Caligula also had. Yes, if you and I can relate to. Yes, because... It's getting there. As I watch, tufts are falling. Yeah, so clearly there's a a hair-losing theme in these crazy emperors, which explains some of your (laughs) behaviour. Right, he also set up the black-themed death dinner. I remember that. Everything was black, like the food and the way... Everything was black, and they all expected to be executed. And it was really sombre throughout the whole meal, and then right at the end he says, yeah, you can all go. Because weren't they conspirators or something, or...? Or is it just a joke? (laughs) (laughs) April Fools! (laughs) Yeah, no, they were expecting a sentence to be passed upon them. And, um, yeah, this was his way of delivering the news that they were to be set free. Apparently he delighted in always twisting his sentences. So if he knew he was going to execute someone, he'd make it sound really nice. And then at last minute he'd go, so off with his head. Not that they said off with his head back then. No. Okay, so that's the mission. I'll be honest, when I look back at this... I think maybe we scored him slightly highly. Yes, he was crazy, but I, th- I, in retrospect, I think Vitellius perhaps should have scored slightly higher. Perhaps. John would be really interesting. What? Redoing the episodes with our knowledge now. Yeah, should we just start again? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it all again. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, remember, we're trying to decide whether Domitian or Caracalla should score higher. See, now, do we need to go through Caracalla again? Because... Oh, no, no. That, it says in my notes here, we don't need to go over Caracalla. We did him last week. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you, you're on the same wavelength there. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think we need to discuss him anymore. No. We did that Frightening, recently. Frightening, killed villages. Yeah, exactly. So Scary dude. You tell me. What do you think? Which one do you think showed more opprobrium crazy? Do you know what? I, I would actually put Caracalla almost behind Vitellius now. Because re- reminding me of what Vitellius did, that seems more crazy than even Caracalla. I can't do that and I won't. No. But because Caracalla just was ruthless, ruthless and mean. Oh, but still utterly mad. I mean, he I don't like, let anyone mention his brother. They I, split the palace in half. I, I think that's just. I think to me that's a method of control. Yeah, it's propaganda and censorship. Yeah, with a very very harsh. He's North Korea as an emperor. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, so <laughs> I, I would put Domitian. Domitian is mental. I don't know. I, I would put Domitian above Caracalla. Really? Oh, you see, I wouldn't. I would not at all. I think we've been harsh on Domitian. I think really? he was. I think he's done some crazy things, but I think he was paranoid. Caracalla is ruthless. But paranoia is a sign of craziness. Ruthlessness to a certain level is a sign of craziness. He just knows how to get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> With any means, that's a crazy. He Caracalla killed... seems more of a psychopath. He's more yes, psychopathic. Exactly. He but that's not crazy. His... It's just a state of being. Rob. He killed his own brother in his mother's arms. Vitellius killed his own child for money. Vitellius is fifth. That's sorted by the scores. We only need to decide between. <laughs> Although you're right, actually. I mean, Vitellius. I would put him above Domitian. Yeah. No. So would I nowadays. Should we just do it? But that means changing their score. Oh, that means, yeah. Oh, no, that's, no, no, that's no. not here. We can't do that. The scores yeah. are set in stone. So, they're set in pixels. <laughs> they're set in pixels. Vitellius is fifth. Are you definitely saying Caracalla less crazy than Domitian? I don't see Caracalla as crazy. I just saw him as scary and he he knew how to use that and he applied that right. very well. I just don't agree with you. So, therefore, the coin must come out. Okay, the coin is out. Right. Lion's got to be Caracalla. Yeah, obviously. Mr. Stabby on one side. Gene César is therefore the mission. Who was more crazy, Jupiter? And it is... <gasps> Caracalla. Caracalla is more crazy. So, Vitellius in fifth. Domitian in fourth. Caracalla in third. But now we have the ultimate question. Who was totes cray-cray? <laughs> As the kids say... <laughs> So who was the ultimate crazy emperor? So one of them is going to be Caligula. Yes. See, was it Tiberius or... No, you're going to kick yourself. No. I can't believe you don't remember this. I know, it's insane. Oh, Commodus. Yes, of course, Commodus. Of course yes. it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is a, oh, this is a matchup. This is Battle of the the Tin Hat Wearing Madmen. In fact, I would say this is more exciting than the round II. Oh, yeah, you just want to know who the most crazy is. Yeah, because I yeah. love crazy. Well, here we go. Caligula v. Commodus. We don't have time to go through all of their crazy. <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> so I have just picked out <clears throat> the top five crazy things that each one did. Yeah. And then we'll decide. Go for it. We will start in chronological order with Caligula. Oh. Top five. He would invite senators and their wives around for dinner. He would then take one of the wives into the bedroom for a while. When returning, he would rate the wife, even going as far as ordering the husband divorce the wife if she had not impressed him. Oh. That is just an utterly horrifying story. Power crazy. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I can do this. Yeah. You can't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Utterly terrifying. Okay, well, that's number one. Number two, he would execute people using the method of a thousand cuts. Oh, yes. Yes. Takes a lot of skill. Stabbing people over days so that, and I quote, he may feel that he is dying. If ex This is part of the same point, because it's all about execution. If executing a son or a daughter, he would force the parents to watch. Oh... One time a father claimed he was too ill to bear witness, so Caligula very kindly sent his own litter to go and pick him up so he could come and watch. Yes. Enough... It makes, it, 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 that makes a point, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it Yeah, does. but it, it, it's, the, the word spreads, like, don't mess up because this is what will happen. It, that's a message. Yeah, do you think that's why he's doing it? 
No. no That's a would. secondary, secondary objective, yes, I feel. Certainly would have sent a message. I do agree with that. Same point again. Another father he invited to his table afterwards and challenged him to jest and be merry after he'd just witnessed his own child's execution. Wow. Wow. Bit more light-hearted on point number three. He fought the Shell Army. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. General Corral. General Corral is up there on the shelf. Yes. Instead of invading Britain, ordered all his soldiers pick up the shells and declared victory over Neptune himself. Oh dear. <laughs> Do you think that, that was a reaction of the Senate at the time? <laughs> Just a muted, oh dear. <laughs> what, have, what have we got? <laughs> okay, point I mean, number four. Tiberius was bad, but my God. <laughs> point number four. He ordered that a three-mile-long bridge be built across the mouth of the Gulf of Bay. He had countless ships fastened together and then a road built over the top. And then he spent two days riding up and down this road purely because he wanted to prove a prophecy wrong. Yeah, that must have been pretty spectacular, though. Oh, yeah, and to be honest, I, I actually I just want to give him a round of applause for that one. I think that's great. <laughs> But you can also argue it's good training for the Navy and the Army. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame lots of people then starved to death because yeah. he used all the grain ships, but yeah, he made a point. <laughs> yes. Okay, and final one. When he was ill, a senator said something along the lines of, Why him? Take me. Oh, yeah. And then once Caligula was better, he made sure that that oath to the gods was kept. Mm. And the thi- that's the thing. It's like when, when he first became emperor... No, for the first six months, he was amazing. Now, yeah, well, we will talk about later that later because Caligula oh, yes, is, is in this round. So okay. let's save I'll that stop. conversation. Because he, he's my favourite emperor that we've discussed. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'll just... Not that I'm biased. I'll go through Commodus anyway. He's going to win. <laughs> so, Commodus' top five. He ordered that a slave be burnt alive because he ran a tepid bath. He was 12 years old at the time. Okay. <laughs> No, the slave wasn't burnt alive. They burnt some sheep's wool and pretended that the slave had been burnt. So it didn't actually happen? No, but he didn't know that, and he still did the um, order. Um... Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two. He wandered around with the club of Hercules and <laughs> would smash people in the face with it <laughs> when he didn't like them. So you're taking cosplay way too far. <laughs> Linked to this, he genuinely thought he was Hercules. He thought he was a living god. So which did he, did he genuinely think he was, or was he just trying to portray that he was? I don't know. It's interesting, because Caligula also had this. Um, but I didn't put it in his top five, because his didn't seem quite as big a deal. It was just something he was saying. Yeah. But it's interesting both of them thought but this. But Commodus is more interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. he actually... Well, did... he dressed up, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he put as... the effort in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he actually went into the Colosseum, which I imagine you're going to talk about. Soon. Oh, he loved the games. Point number three. He shot animals with special heads on to cut oh. the necks off running ostriches. I remember that. He stood on a platform and shot a hundred lions in one go. He had a man tied into the middle of the arena, set a panther loose, waited till the panther pounced, and then shot the panther mid-pounce. He loved the games, and give him credit, he was was clearly a spectacle. And he must have been good. Yeah, he must have been very good at this. He wasn't someone who was just trying to please the crowd. He clearly was good at being a showman, but that's not what he should have been doing. Not so good in Gladiator, though, was he? No, no, he wasn't. I wanted to see the ostriches in Gladiator. That would have been better. (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe that's an extended edition. Not maybe, director's cut. Yeah, it doesn't have to be in the Colosseum. Maybe just one scene when they're having dinner, and occasionally you just shoot some passing ostrich. <laughs> that would be nice. So, anyway. how are you finding the fish sauce? That's good. Right. Okay. He would gather any person he saw as freakish and place them in the arena to slaughter. I remember this now. Oh, that's horrifying. One example is him wrapping the stumps of men with amputated legs up and then dressing them up as mermaids and then slaughtering them. I don't remember that. Do you not? There was a lot of crazy in that episode, so maybe some of it has slipped your mind. Maybe I had to just black it out. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's yeah. horrifying. Oh, it is horrifying, yeah. He, he, anyone who had an amputation or some kind of thing that was seen as not normal to society, he would use them for sport in full view of everyone. Monobrow. Kill them. Yes. <laughs> okay, number five. Maybe not his biggest, but it's just one that amuses me in a horrifying way. He would sometimes pretend to be a surgeon. <laughs> I remember this. The spoons. The spoons. (laughs) And would perform bloodletting on people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you see, Caligula, you think, oh, he was the crazy one. But putting them side by side, I'm really torn. I really am. How do you decide between these two? Just the 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 bloodletting, I sort of yeah. Oh, Emperor, I'm sorry, I can't I can't come in today. I've got a bit of a cold. And then he'll come round with an axe and just, you know. It is an axe, the common bloodletting tool. Commoners, probably. I suppose it's efficient, isn't it? Well, let me cut your head off and then no more cold for you. Let's not get to those sciences. (laughs) Don't you worry. Yeah. I I honestly can't decide which one is more crazy. I think we need to flip the coin because I can't either. Because the weird thing is, I'm more interested in Caligula. I think he's more well-known. Yeah. As a crazy person, but even but even for both of them, it was a sense of too young. They're both very young. Yeah, and a lot of power. Yeah, they knew that I can do whatever I want. Both of them, the power went completely to their heads. Oh, the point they thought definitely. they were divine. I can't call it. Can you call it? Coin it. Coin it. Here we go then. Coin for the second time. I think Commodus should have the lion because he loved the Colosseum. I need to cut the heads off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So lion for Commodus. Genesis our side for Caligula. Who, Jupiter, is the craziest of emperors? The craziest emperor is... <gasps> Caligula! Caligula! We'll go over that. I wouldn't have been sad either way. No. Okay, so, the official top five. Five! Vitellius. Four! Domitian. Three! Caracalla. Two! Commodus. One! Caligula. So here we are, second round. Yeah. Who's going through? We have Valentinian, Julianus, Otho and Caligula. This is the round, as I said at the end of last week's episode, which is embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit. But we only have our listeners to blame, I feel. (laughs) Well, no, not only that. It has Otho in it as well. Caligula did not score well. They have an average score, this group, of 24.84. This is ridiculously lower than all the other groups. Okay, that's interesting. Any ideas to begin with? There are two that I think we'll go through. Yeah? Yeah, I have my mind on two. One of them is my favourite emperor. Okay. Like I mentioned before. So you're going for Caligula and... Yeah. and probably Valentinian. Right, wow. Well, I have high hopes for him. He's certainly scored higher than all the rest. We'll see, though, because you did change your mind last week. 
That is true. Yeah. But I, I, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's start with Valentinian. Quick recap on him. Valentinian. He is a high scorer, but does not excel in any round. Hmm. So, so he's an overall good egg. Yeah, he's an all-rounder. It's interesting to see what we think after the recap. So, he was born into a family that was prominent in the army. His father was nicknamed the Rope Man. <laughs> Why? Because he sold rope. That's really boring. <laughs> You'd hope for better, wouldn't you? Uh, he was a hangman. It's one of those nicknames where you just hope no one asks. Why? <laughs> yeah, they call me the Rope Man. Oh, why? I sell rope. I've got a two-for-one offer at the moment. Are you, are you interested? <laughs> Six meters for the price of four? Yeah. <laughs> it just goes downhill, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, the Rope Man fought under... Constantine the Great. Yeah. Valentinian, when he was young, goes with his father to Africa whilst the Rope Man was ruling. So we know where he was in his youth. He then joins the army at about the time of Constantine the Great's death. Now after that, if you remember, Constantine's sons fight a lot. Yes. We don't need to go over the details, obviously. The upshot is that Constantius II is the one who's left over. Then, there's a usurper, Magnentius. If you remember, Magnentius yeah. usurped in a drunken party. <laughs> when everyone went, yeah, you'll do. That was a hell of a hangover the next day. <laughs> yes. Whoa, what have I done? <laughs> Why have I done this? So Constantius II has to go and fight Magnentius. Valentinian finds himself on Constantius II's side. However, his father supported Magnentius. Ooh. Now, if you remember this from the episode, his father finds himself slap-bang in the middle of where the two armies meet to fight. His estates are there. Yes! Yeah. They fight around it. Well, that's what we speculate, <laughs> yeah. is that they were literally in his garden. Yeah, he finds himself in the middle of this battlefield. He has to choose a side, so he chooses Magnentius. We theorise, although we're not sure, that Valentinian happened to be working for Constantius too, so they're on opposing sides. Constantius too obviously wins, so the father was politically and financially ruined after this civil war. Valentinian, however, is still able to go on, which is why we think he was with Constantius. Yeah. We next see Valentinian when he is used as a scapegoat by Barbiccio. Barbiccio. <laughs> the first Italian-sounding person <laughs> in our podcast. Yes. Yes, he was working for Constantius II, and his sole job was to sabotage Julian's efforts in Gaul. Remember, he, he was the guy who, when Julian said, send me a bunch of ships, he then burnt all the ships. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. was clearly just trying to ruin Julian's life. Julian was chasing down a group of Alamanni. Some escaped, so Julian sent word to Barbiccio to track those small band down. Valentinian gives chase, but Barbiccio overrules the order, and Valentinian stops. Julian then complains to Constantius too, but Barbiccio blames it all on Valentinian. Valentinian is disgraced and thrown out of the army. Oh dear. Which is sad. But he settles down on a farm, and he gets married, and he has a son named Gratian. Yes, Emperor Gratian. <gasps> Spoiler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Julian then declares himself emperor. He starts to march against Constantius II. Constantius II then dies. 
short version of that. We don't have many details. It's around this time Valentinian was able to work his way back into the army. Yeah. Perhaps because Julian was just looking for anyone who was capable to fight for him. Civil yeah. war was brewing. It made sense. Yeah. Now, as far as we can tell, Valentinian was then stationed in modern Turkey when Julian sets off to fight the Persians. Yes. Yes. News very shortly comes back that Julian had died incredibly embarrassingly. What well, is rubbish? Jovian, the new emperor, wanted Valentinian to go west to send word to his father-in-law that, hey, I'm now emperor. Yeah. But the bunting up. So Valentinian goes to Milan. He meets with the father-in-law. The father-in-law is very excited, gets carried away, and decides to conduct some financial audits. He was that kind of person. Oh, dear. Yes. This is a... Great celebration. I know a great accountancy drinking game. <laughs> we all get half a shandy at the end of working out our accounts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like that. They yeah. stoned him to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was killed by the mob. Valentinian is forced to go back and break the news to Jovian that his father in law is dead. Oh, dear. In a shoot-to-the-messenger kind of move, Valentinian was then left behind of the main army to just oh. look after a small outpost somewhere, which is a shame. That's a big responsibility, though. Gotta make sure the, the wall's strong, doesn't get attacked. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he was in his element. He was training to lead things. That's, yes. That's going to come in quite useful in about two weeks. <laughs> because then Jovian dies. Spoiler. We don't know how. Listen to the episode if you want more details. No one's got a clue what to do at this point. The Constantinian dynasty had been stripped clean. They needed a new dynasty. It was time to start again. So there's a lot of debate, and it was decided for some reason, and I have no idea why, Valentinian was the man for the job. Mm. Uh, this really does still strike me as odd. Why? There's probably obviously reasons we don't know about. Yeah, yeah. He must have made a good impression to someone somewhere. Maybe he, that outpost was like the best outpost in Maybe. the world. Yeah, we just don't have enough details to understand why, because everything we do know does not indicate someone who's primed for power. Huge discussion. Valentinian's decided upon. He is then emperor. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was just the fact that life expectancy for emperors had plummeted somewhat recently and no one else <laughs> wanted the job. But either way, he's in charge. It was then mooted that having multiple emperors was a wise idea, so it was suggested he take a page out of Diocletian's book and appoint the most able man he could find. Ooh. So then he just promotes his brother. Yeah. yeah. Valentinian and Valens head back to Constantinople. The two become very ill. They blamed it on black magic. We decided it was a hangover. Yeah. Then they sit down, and they decide who gets what part of the empire. Valens gets the east, Valentinian gets the west. Within weeks, Valentinian receives some bad news, however. His brother may be dead due to Procopius revolting. Oh, Procopius. He was Anthemius's ancestor. Ooh. Yeah, something I didn't mention in this episode, because you wouldn't know who he was. No? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So there you go. Procopius had revolted. Valens may be dead, but he also received news that there was a large barbarian invasion going on at the same time. Obviously, he wanted to save his brother, but decided to tackle the invasion. And I quote here, Procopius was only his own and his brother's enemy, but the Alamanni were enemies of the whole Roman world. Ooh. So he, he took the high ground. It's important I save my brother, but it's more important that I save everyone. Well, yeah. What a guy. What a guy. So he fights back the invasion. 
And then he sets his eyes on Britain. There was a lot of unrest there. So he sends his most trusted general, Count Theodosius. Hey! Hey, the vampire. And his son, Theodosius. And his friend, possibly cousin, Magnus Maximus. Oh! Yeah, all three of them set off to Britain. Britain is put down. Meanwhile, Valentinian is ill. So much that everyone assumes he is going to die. His court practically tears itself apart, plotting who's going to take over. Wow. Yeah. Guys, it's just a cold. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Get me a lamb sip. I'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, they were all mid-scheme when they heard a small cough from the door. They turn round, and of course, there is Valentinian fully recovered, demanding to know what exactly was going on. Lamb sip's amazing, guys. (laughs) Give it a go. Oh, I feel great. <laughs> so he elevates Gratian as soon as possible. He's trying to show up his, yeah. his succession there. We theorise that this, oh yes, this is when he gets Goldflake and Innocence. Yay, yeah, bears! Yes. Yay. And I'm just going to do the full quote again because it's brilliant. <laughs> Two savage man-eating she-bears. <laughs> One called Goldflake and the other Innocence. He looked after them with such extreme care that he placed their cages near his own bedroom and appointed trustworthy keepers who were to take particular care that the beast's savageness should not by any chance be destroyed. The, the names are amazing. I, I just love the bears. Goldflake and Innocence. But it does hark with sadness. The fact that they're keeping them savage, because the only way you can do that is, is be cruel oh, to them. Don't bring it down, Jamie. I'm it was sorry. a funny story. <laughs> now it's just animal torture. Oh, the whole Roman Empire is animal and human torture. Oh, it really is, isn't it? It's awful. Horrible people. <laughs> they are. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Let's just rate the Von Trapp children instead. <laughs> Valentinian then spends a while putting down more Alamanni and starts building forts in their land, so on their side of the river. Ooh. This outrages the Alamanni. But it would. It really would. It's my land. Yeah. Some more, some more fighting happens. Yeah. Yeah. Reports come through that there's unrest in Africa. That's Romanus, if you remember him. He was doing awful things. Mm-hmm. So he sends the Count to go and sort that out. He then received the news that the son of a Praetorian prefect in Gaul, who was in charge of building forts along the Danube, had murdered a king of the Quadi over afternoon tea. Oh. <laughs> this led to the Quadi invading. They were not happy that their king had been killed. So Valentinian hears about this and goes to sort it all out. The only sensible thing is to call an inquiry. Find out <laughs> who's at fault here. You would never guess who they decided the fault lay with. <gasps> Gone. Apparently, right? Right. It was not the Roman elites. Of course not. Apparently, no. it was the barbarians' <gasps> fault. There's obviously only one thing you can do, which is go and teach the quade a lesson or two. Damn straight. Exactly. So he goes over there. He fights them a lot, uh, and generally does well. Hmm. The Quadi eventually send some envoys asking for peace. However, one of the envoys happened to mutter something about the only reason we started this is because you bloody killed our king. It was our king, and you killed him. Which, to be fair, is, is a good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> Valentinian didn't like this, however, because there'd been an inquiry, damn it, and everything was above board, and it was clearly the barbarian's fault. So how dare he question him? Yeah, damn it. Yes. 
and he starts getting angry and he starts yeah, shouting. Rightly and, so. And then he dies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he has some kind of seizure, we think, okay. or something goes in his brain. He suddenly <laughs> dies while shouting at the envoys. Uh, yes, I remember that. Which is a, just a brilliant death. Yeah. So there you go, that's Valentinian. He was very quick to execute people. Yes. He once killed someone for not creating armour that was to the correct specifications. Oh, man. It was slightly lighter than what he wanted. So he killed him. Do you think there's like a certain gradient, like, you know, oh, this is like a pound lighter than I wanted. Or, no, this is tinfoil. I wanted <laughs> I wanted iron. Maybe, maybe it was that, which is fair enough. Yeah. That's, it's not that even happens. shaped. It, it literally was just a roll of tinfoil. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. He was the start of a dynasty. I mean, that's got to count for him. Yeah. He kept the West stable for a long time. He yep. ruled for 11 years. However, his highest score in a round is only 15. Mm. He scored so highly overall because he was ruthless, successful, the bears, and he had an interesting <laughs> death. <laughs> but is this really a good enough for him to progress? I mean, he's an all-round good scorer, but does he... And yes, he has Jenny Cesar, but does he have enough to get through to the semis? That's what we need to decide. Well. Quick recap on his points. Fightius Maximus, he scored 15, mm-hmm. his highest score. Oprobium Crasium, 14. Yeah. Successus Ultimus, 13. Imagofacius, 4. He ruled, like I say, for 11 years, which gives him a total of 1.38. And a total, an insanely impressive, 47.38. Wow. He just hit all the things that he needed to hit. I need to read into his episode, because that's... Yeah, it's it's bizarre he scored so highly. Because mm. hearing just uh, just a brief overview, it, it surprises me Yeah, somewhat. The bears helped. They, they really helped. And the interesting death helped. That's true. That's an extra like, 20 points right there. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. He became fifth overall, amazingly. Wow. Yeah, he did. Right, anyway, let's look at the next one, shall we? He's the wild card. Yes. Yes, he did not get Jeanne César. <laughs> no. To begin with, however that said... You wanted him to have it. Did I? I said no, and we thought about using the coin. In the last second, you changed your mind. Well, you're so persuasive. We tossed the coin anyway after we decided no, and the coin said he should have got it. No well, one else got closer to getting Jenny no. Cesar, but didn't get it. So I think it's fair enough that he's in here. I, I think so. I, I think he's always very interesting. He, he literally bought the Empire. Well, let's go through his story, shall we? Yeah. He was born in 133 or 137, we're not sure, and he was raised by Marcus Aurelius's mother. Mm. He was a friend of the family. Nice. Yeah, he got married at around 20, he had mm. a daughter, and then he works his way up the greasy honorum. <laughs> by the age of 30, he was a praetor. In 170, he became the governor of Belgium, and did so well there that he became the consul afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite easy to forget that he was actually a very successful senator before everything happened. Yeah, he wasn't the emperor at the time. No, he wasn't. But he had a very successful political career. Yeah. All of this is under Marcus Aurelius. And then Marcus Aurelius dies. Like people do. Especially Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> He's well dead. Definitely. Everyone in the Senate lived through the horror of Commodus. <laughs> as he and his Praetorian prefect ripped through the traditional institutions. In particular, the Praetorian Guard became very corrupt during this time. Eventually, Latus, a later Praetorian prefect, and a few others form a coup and assassinate Commodus. They do. 
overnight, Pertinax is put in its place in yeah. a very efficient coup. Yeah, I'm in. This rapid changeover was needed because Nigel the Black, Albert the White, and Severus the Silver? <laughs> <laughs> the Bearded. The Bearded, yes. Were all powerful generals out in the field at this time. So if you were going to have a coup, you needed to change very quickly. Yeah. And they did. I mean, Pertinax is on the throne by the morning. The rapid ascension of Pertinax avoids all unrest. Everything will be well as long as nothing happens to the Emperor. And then the Praetorian Guard kill him. Yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. Realising that they were the only ones with pointy things nearby, the Praetorian Guard decide to sell the Empire. Not just we get to decide, let's make a tidy profit at the same time. It's quite clever, actually. It is quite clever, but in the short term. <laughs> Pertinax's father-in-law just happened to be in the Praetorian camp when this decision was made, so he goes for it. But then they hear a shout from outside the walls. Hello! <laughs> Hi! And then a whisper slightly further back. Go on, go on, do it. Do it, do it, go do on, do it. Go on, Julianus. Yay! <laughs> it was, of course, <laughs> Julianus. It really was. Who had been persuaded by his family, and we speculate others. <laughs> Why not go for it? And I also should remind you, these two friends, we did not make up. He genuinely was persuaded by two of his senatorial friends. Of course they were. Yeah. Yes, that is in the source. Oh, Julie! <laughs> so he goes down to the camp and he is told that, no, forget it, we've already been promised 20,000 a head. We don't need someone new. Give them more! Go on, go on go Julie! On, go on. After some prodding from his friends, Julianus states that he was willing to beat that offer and goes for 25,000 ahead. After what must have felt like an eternity, the gates are thrown open. <laughs> he was made emperor there and then. Teams oh. <laughs> his friends go, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> They went home for a nap with a big <laughs> smile on their faces. Yeah. Getting a kebab on the way. Then the senators called together, and Julianus tells them why he was there, with no armed guard, to remind them why he was so respected and why he was so good for this role. Yeah. Well, this was ruined somewhat by the presence of a lot of armed guards. <laughs> and I, I remember that, yeah. quote, I am here alone, is what he said, though he actually had surrounded the entire Senate house outside with heavily armed troops. <laughs> And had a large number of soldiers <laughs> in the chamber itself. Excellent. Just every <laughs> senator with a with a guard behind them, a sword against their throat. <laughs> yes. Julian is saying, I came alone. <laughs> <laughs> he then headed into the palace. He sees the body of Pertinax lying there oh, still. Uh... He has a party and then goes to bed. We theorise that it was probably about three o'clock in the morning yeah. that he suddenly remembered Nigel, Albert and Severus. Yeah. He sits bolt upright and screams. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? The rest of his reign is just a farcical panic-strewn mess. <laughs> he was greeted by jeering crowds the next day. The people were mostly behind Nigel the Black, who was in the East at the time. So Julianus does the only sensible thing and orders that the Praetorian Guard attack the crowd to stop them protesting. That's a good idea. Oh, yeah. it's very sensible, isn't it? News then comes through that Severus, the closest of these generals, was marching on Rome. <laughs> and after this, 
follows a series of ever-increasingly desperate plans. <laughs> there was one point elephants and magic. And well, well, I'm going to go through them. I actually numbered them this time. Oh, brilliant. Let's do it. Plan one. They've all got a name. Plan one. Replace Severus. He sends a general to take over Severus's legions. This did not work. <laughs> Severus's face when someone walks into the tent. Yeah. So I'm here. To, I'm here to replace you, sir. And you are, Jeff. Get out. <laughs> Plan two: arrest slash execute Severus. <laughs> There's Jeff again. <laughs> he made Severus a public enemy. It's everyone's duty to arrest and execute Severus. This does nothing. No one's willing to kill Severus. Apart from Jeff. Oh, he might have tried. Plan three, assassinate Severus. Oh, man. <laughs> he sends a well-known assassin to kill Severus. Jeff. It's not a well-known assassin. He just causes a lot of accidents. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> I love the way you assassinate all those people when you're a wine waiter by poisoning them all. <laughs> Oh, thanks. I'm <laughs> finally good at something. <laughs> yeah, no, the assassination did not work. Plan four, discredit Severus. He sent a prominent and rich senator to go into Severus's army and persuade his soldiers to defect. None of the soldiers defect. No. No. It's fine. He's got a backup plan to this. Plan five, <laughs> fight Severus. Oh, dear. Take the bull by the horns. Come on. Yeah. It's time to finally fight. He looks around... He asks where his army is. Someone points out that Severus has his army. He's a general. He's your general. He has your army. Um. Do we have any men? Asked Julianus. Well, we've got some gladiators and we've got a militia and we've just generally got some men hanging about. They try and train them. It does not go well. No. Montage. Bad montage. <laughs> Bad montage. <laughs> but it's fine. Backup plan. Plan six. Oh, yeah, yeah. Negotiate with Severus. <laughs> By this time, Severus <laughs> has Ravenna. So he's quite close. Yeah. He sends envoys to try and work something out. Basically, he's going to say, please, 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 please. Yeah. Roger soon's come back with the news that all the envoys that he had sent had deserted as soon as they arrived Ooh, at the Ravenna. Silver-tongued <laughs> devil. But it's fine. It's okay. He's got a backup plan. <laughs> plan seven. And this is where it really starts to get good. I've called this one Squish Severus. <laughs> Train the circus elephants to fight. <laughs> and I'll quote for this one. Dio says, The unpractised elephants whose uncouth appearance it was hoped would strike terror into the army of the north through their unskilled riders. <laughs> At least take their tinsel off the tusks. Yeah, not good. Plan 8, though. That's a plan 8. Don't worry. <laughs> really? <laughs> appeal to Severus. He sends Vestal Virgins to go and appeal to his piety. Oh, go for the religious angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Nice they were totally ignored. At this point, the Senate were either openly rebelling or just simply laughing at him, such as Dio, who states while listing Julian's attempt of survival, but what caused us the greatest amusement? <laughs> they clearly found this as funny as we did. I imagine yeah. like the whole, all the two friends there with the Senate just drinking beers. Like this is brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Julianus wasn't amused, however, and ordered the slaughter of the entire Senate. Did they all just laugh? And go. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah. Go on and try. <laughs> try. Try. Go on. Then. Yeah. It was not long ago that he was a highly respected senator, uh, but he's just lost it by this point. Mm. 
But that's okay. He's got a plan. <laughs> He's got plan nine. Bargain with Severus. He writes to Severus asking to split the empire. Severus replied, and I love this, he'd rather be Julianus's enemy than his friend. Oh. Yeah. I think that was a similar action to the first time I heard that. Oh, it's good, isn't it? That's a good answer. <laughs> plan 10. Nice. Curse Severus. Nice. Yeah. And I'll quote here, Julianus also had the insane idea of performing a number of rites with the aid of magicians. So this is basically Julianus sitting in a room on his own with a little straw doll. Yes. With a Severus face painted on the front, just stabbing it with a knitting needle, hoping just for the best. Saying, please, 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 over and over <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. This did not work. No. So, plan 11. His final plan hide from Severus. Yes. <laughs> he bricked himself up in the palace. <laughs> This is the one that Dio says what caused us greatest amusement was this plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember so watching it. Yeah. Go on then. What is he doing? Oh, look, he can't get the last brick in. Do you want us to pass you a brick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He bricks himself up. Soon enough, the Praetorian Guard enter the palace. Just pushing through the wet mortar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> they walk. Juliardus cries out, But what evil have I done? Whom have I killed? And then his head was cut off. Oh. What an utterly pathetic story. <laughs> so, points here. He is the lowest scorer by far to get through, <laughs> with a total score of 7.02. Nice. He did not get to Genesis R to begin with. He is the wild card. But he does have a hilarious story. That's true. So perhaps he should go through. His scores were Phytius Maximus 1. We were very generous. 1? <laughs> Bloody hell. I think maybe for trying to train the elephants or something. Maybe. Oh, no, it's because he did stuff as a consul, I think. I think it was something like that. I would revise that if I was in the episode again. <laughs> Approbium Crasium 4. Successus Ultimus 0. Imagofacius 2. And a mere 0.02 score for Tempo Completo. So maybe he will go through. No. Next. <laughs> he was born in April in the year of 32. Nice. Yeah, we, we've gone way back now. Yeah. His father was a favourite of Tiberius, so the family were well connected. Otho had a wild youth and spent his teenage years staying up all night and getting drunk. Hey. Exactly. One day, he approached a freedwoman who worked in the palace and paid her to pretend that they were in love. That's a bit weird. I think that was exactly the same response as you did <laughs> in his episode. Yeah, the reason why he does this is to get his way into the palace. Oh, fair because he gets into the palace, he soon meets Nero. Nero thinks he's great. A drinking buddy is soon formed. Yes. They become firm friends. Otho was the one who had the dinner party on the night that Agrippina was supposed to die on the sinking ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. really close friends. At yeah. one point, Nero decides that he wants to marry Pompeia, but he was already married, so to save Pompeia, make sure she doesn't marry someone else, yeah. he gets Otho to marry her. I remember that, yeah. Yes. And with all the predictability of a Christmas rom-com, Otho falls in love with Pompeia. Of course. And therefore Nero and Otho fall out. Oh dear. He was sent to Hispania as punishment. Go to this beautiful country with beautiful <laughs> wine and weather, and I hope you think about what you've done. Yeah, it was like that. You're a monster. Otho spends the next ten years there, and according to the accounts we have, he sobered up and started to rule very effectively, indicating that perhaps all this drunken behaviour was just a way of getting rid of Nero. 
Perhaps. He manages to get relatively close to the most powerful man in the area, Galba, sending him lots of presents and letters saying, oh, you're so wonderful, Galba. Due to various reasons that we covered in the main episode, Galba finds himself revolting and Nero commits suicide. (laughs) Otho attaches himself to Galba and heads back to Rome. While there, he tried his hardest to get into the inner circle. He talks to the Praetorians and acts as if he was the heir, enough to convince a lot of people that he would make a very good emperor. One of Galba's inner circle agrees that Otho should become the actual heir, and promises to support Otho, and a marriage is set up between his daughter and Otho. So things are working well here. The scheme is all in place. However, Galba being Galba suddenly announces that a man named Piso is in fact his heir. Piso, remember that? Yeah, this ruins Otho's plans completely. (laughs) Otho is disappointed, but that's nothing compared to all his supporters, who grow furious. Otho revolts in the Praetorian camp. They march on the Forum and kill Galba there and then. Otho is now emperor. The first thing he does is look into how the empire is doing. It turns out that a rebel army is heading to Rome, led by none other than Vitellius. Or at least the men who support Vitellius. Otho realises he has no choice. Any ideas he had for the Empire is put on hold. He's got to fight. So he sends some ships up the coast to try and slow the battalions down, but this doesn't work out too well. Eventually, the battle lines are formed up in the north of Italy, in the Po Valley. A big meeting happens. What to do? Do they wait or do they fight? There are some reinforcements on the I think big debate. Big debate. Doesn't stop for a while. Yeah. Like, it goes on for a bit too long. Yeah. And by the time they finish, army outside the front door. (laughs) What the hell? Decisions made for them. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. We'll fight. (laughs) Fair enough. Let's do it then. Yes, this is the Battle of Bedraicum. Vitellius is still up by the Rhine. So, it's decided that Otho should also stay back from the battle. If they're not going to risk their leader, nor should we. Fair enough. Yeah. So he stays behind and his army goes forward. However, things do not go well. (laughs) And Otho's troops lose. Oh, man. The next day, they surrender to Vitellian's forces. Otho realises that if he pushes this, he will only cause more deaths. And apparently he said, and I quote, It is far more just for one to perish for all than all to perish for one. After this, he heads to bed, I'm guessing, with a good book and a sharp knife. (laughs) stating let us add this night to our lives and then he kills himself yeah because i remember discussing at the time he's the what if emperor yeah definitely so much potential but nothing happened really yeah he just got beaten yeah looking back did he deserve genesis i'd still give it to him personally but i think he is our weakest contender i'll be honest he's our lowest scorer he lost a civil war but i really do get this idea that he was very calculating. Everything he did in his life was to advance. And he was so, so good at doing that. Yeah. He actually became emperor. You know, I, I get the, almost the feeling like he's, he's a con man. He's managed to <laughs> trick everyone yeah. every step of his life into giving him more and more power. He finally reaches the pinnacle that he can get to and then realises, actually, if I keep fighting, it's just pointless. People will die. So I, 
I'll just kill myself. And he makes the ultimate sacrifice to save his men. And that's a story. That is a story. That's a film. However, that is one way to look at it. Equally, yeah. you could just say he got lucky, blundered his way into becoming an emperor, <laughs> lost a battle, and then gave up. So <laughs> it depends how yeah, you view it, true. I suppose. Um, his scores were Fightius Maximus 6, Opprobrium Crasium 2, Successus Ultimus 10. Ooh, I think we were generous there. <laughs> Image of Facius 1.25 and a mere 0.03 for Tempo Complete. Mm. So perhaps he should go through. Maybe. And finally we have... Caligula! Okay, we've already covered a lot of him in the crazy section, so I'm going to try and do something unusual. I'm going to try and summarise his entire career and leave out all the crazy stuff. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> yeah. He was emperor. Well, let's see, shall we? He was born in around year 12 as Gaius Julius Caesar. He was the son of Germanicus. Mm. He travelled with his much-beloved father when Germanicus was fighting in Germany. And this is where he develops the nickname that roughly translates to Bootykins, which is actually Caligula. <laughs> and then, whilst in the East, his father was assassinated on Tiberius's orders. Yep. Caligula, his mother and his siblings head back to Rome, all very distraught. Tiberius is angered by Caligula's mother, stirring up trouble. So she and two of Caligula's elder brothers are exiled. Caligula, being very little at this point, is sent to live with Livia, his great-grandmother, yeah. wife of Augustus. She's still knocking about at this point. Mm. But she soon dies. So he's sent to live with grandmother instead. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like in uh, The Witches. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Parents both die in a car accident, and he goes to live with grandmother in Norway. Oh, yeah, it's just like exactly that. the same. Exactly like that, yeah. And then he fights witches. Yeah, that happens. It really does. Elder brother named Nero at this point is forced to commit suicide on Tiberius's orders. Caligula's elder brother is called Nero. Yes, Nero was a family name. It was used uh, quite okay. often. Yeah, so he's dead, and at this time, Caligula's about eighteen at this point. He's sent to Capri. To live with Tiberius. Oh, that must burn slightly. Oh, it really must. He must have been terrified. But the decadence, I imagine. Oh, also, well, as I quote here, he frequented taverns and brothels, disguised in a periwig and long coat. He was passionately fond of the theatrical arts of singing, to which he gave much study. So it sounds like he had a bit of a jolly on Capri. That's all right. Yeah, but all the t while he must have realised that at any point Tiberius could just kill him. Mm. Like he had already killed his brother. And in fact, his mother. Because his mother was at this time beaten to death. Okay. And his other brother was starved to death. I remember that. Again, all on the orders of Tiberius who he's living with. This, nice. is, this is where later on in life he reports he stood over Tiberius's body, debating on whether to kill him or not. And that image. Yeah, yeah. that terrifying image. He gets married around this time, okay. but uh, his wife and child die in childbirth. Okay. So that's nice. Yeah, he's had a great life. So. Oh, really has, hasn't he? Yeah. Tiberius dies in the year 37. We speculate that maybe Caligula helped that process along slightly. His death was exaggerated and Caligula sends Macro in with a pillow just to uh, make sure, make sure. Exactly. Just make sure. Just just see how he is. Take his pillow in. Just see how he is. Let me know afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's dead. Okay. Oh, dear. Oh, That's a shame. Caligula was much celebrated. Yeah. Everyone loved him. He was not the old, miserable Tiberius. He's young. He's well-liked. I remember the story throwing money off the yes, house. Yes, exactly. Everyone loved people. him. This was a grand new age for Rome. 
Hmm. He even renames the month September Germanicus. Yeah. Hashtag bring back Germanicus. Exactly. So there you go. I mean, he should be going through for that alone, surely. Yeah. Yeah. He also burnt all the paperwork linked to the treason trials. Which was everyone he loved. Yeah. yeah, it was excellent. Everything's great. He really should have died here. <laughs> <laughs> because one year in, he becomes very ill. And this is what you were talking about earlier. He almost dies. That's how ill he gets. Some theorise, like I said, that this illness mm. changes him. Now, I'm trying to stay away from the crazy. But let's just say some senators kept their oaths at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Then he gets married again. He was at the wedding and the bride and groom sit down and Caligula said, see you do not sit too close to my wife. About oh. the bride. I'm trying to keep away from the crazy, but it's just impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He then keeps his uncle Claudius alive as the court jester. He then abolishes some unfair taxes. See, I'm trying to keep the same stuff in. He aided some people who had lost things in a fire at some point, apparently. <laughs> one, one family from Gaul. Yeah. What's that? You lost your wooden spoon. There you go. Here's another. This one's made of tin. Off you go. Yeah, he was a great guy. Yeah. Yes. He restored some elections that Augustus had removed. He was restoring democracy. Are these elections a treason, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> I vote you die. <laughs> And then he forces his Praetorian prefect to commit suicide. While setting up a brothel in the palace, he reintroduced the treason trials. He replaced all the statue heads with his own. He did all the crazy stuff. I can't keep yeah. away from the crazy. He just went off the rails. <clears throat> he did. He did all that stuff we discussed earlier. A brief respite was had when he goes north to fight the barbarians, but this is just when he forces his own guard to make noises in the bushes so he could claim victory. And then he fights the shells. He fights <laughs> the shells. No, he fights Neptune himself. Of course he does. One day, when he was walking from the games to his palace, he was approached by a group of Praetorian guards and stabbed multiple times. They then kill his wife, they smash his daughter's head against a wall, oh. and they go looking for Claudius, who is hiding behind a curtain. With his rock. With his rock. So there you go, that's Caligula. He, he's the maddest. He's the yeah. maddest of them all. Officially, he became number one, didn't he? So he's yeah. the maddest emperor. He's known by all. His Phytius Maximus was zero. His Opprobium Crasium was 20. <laughs> his Successus Ultimus was two. I'm not entirely sure what those two are for. <laughs> his Imago Facius is 3.25. His Tempo Completo is a mere 0 0.48. He scores a total of 25.73. Mm. But a well-earned Genesis are, I feel. Oh, yes, definitely. Those are our four emperors in contention for this week. Yes. Like last week, shall we put an obvious one through and knock an obvious one out? Yeah. Caligula's going through. Caligula's obviously going through. He yeah. was always going through. Yeah, of course he was. Okay. Knock an obvious one out. <sighs> Julianus. Oh, really? No, I wouldn't have said that. Really? I'd said Otho's the weakest in this group. What? Just out of interestingness. Well, maybe not, though. Oh, no, okay, I'll put Otho. That's fine. I, I don't disagree. I don't think he should go through. Well, I, no, I think this makes our decision very quick and easy, though. To well, be yeah, honest. it's true. Yeah. If I'm thinking Ofo needs to go and you're thinking Julianus needs to go, then therefore Valentinian <laughs> and the Bears go through. But I must admit, I think Valentinian's got very lucky here. I think he has as well. I don't think he'll, if he does get through, if he does get through, <laughs> I don't think he'll do right well in the next round. 
Yeah, I think if Valentinian <clears throat> was drawn last week instead of Theodosius, he would have struggled to go through. Yes. I think Valentinian is our weakest of the top six. Yeah. And he's got very lucky to be drawn against a couple of very weak opponents. Mm. But that said, he has an interesting death. He shouts himself to death. That's he's got true. gold for Lake and Innocence. <laughs> well, that'll help in the Colosseum. Yeah. And he does do an impressive amount for the Empire. He does. He does. The Empire is struggling at the time he takes over, and it definitely seems to improve under him. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, though. Is he interesting enough? I In this round, there's no one that can replace him. But if you were to talk to someone about an emperor, would you talk he about... He has bears. Oh, he has got the bears, he's got the bears. He's got bears. But would you talk about Julianus over him? But only in a mocking way. Not in a, not in a good way. Just got this emperor, right? He bought the Empire, <laughs> he was an idiot. and he panicked all the way through. <sighs> yeah, no, you're right. You are. I think it's amazing he got this far, so he needs to go out. He does. So, number one slot. It's just, it, I think it's on a mercy to <laughs> Yes, it is. <clears throat> so, number one, Caligula. Yeah. Number two, Valentinian. I agree. Okay. So, those two go through to the next round. Yes, they do. Okay. Right, well, next week we've got round I-I-I. Oh, we're getting some big names next week. I go Augustus, oh. Constantius, Ooh. Marcus Aurelius, oh, wow. and Constantius too. Two twins. <laughs> yeah, the Constantius <laughs> twins. And um, Augustus and Marcus Aurelius. That would be really interesting. That's going to be tricky, I think. Yeah, I think before we did this podcast, I'd have said this is a foregone conclusion. Yeah. But now I know more about them, mm. I'm genuinely not too sure. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close one. It's going to be tricky. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you very much to a couple of people who have joined our Senate. Thank you to Sir Freeman. Thank you. For your very, very generous donation there. Lynn T, thank yeah. you. Yeah. You do Cheers. sound like a make of herbal tea. That's all right. Well, that's fine. Cecile. Cecile. No. No, Cecile Novaraz. Yes, Cecile Novaraz, yeah. And Zane Woodward for your also very generous donation. Thank you for joining our Senate. You have access to our Senate-only episode, which I hope you enjoy. It's behind the uh, the, the purple curtain. Yes, it is. That's where those episodes are. <laughs> the back are. of Totalis Rank HQ. There we go. We're done for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And all we need to say is... Juliana's got to this round. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Afternoon, Clarence. Oh, hello, Cyril. How are you? Yes, I'm all right. Just explain this one for me. It's um, a ladder match, I believe. Oh, ladder matches. Oh, they have to get the, the coin at the top. Yes, they do. Yes. Should, we, should we do this? Let's do it. No, oh, are we ready? Yes. Yes, I okay. Can. okay. Recording in five, four, three, two. Hello there, and welcome to the Superdome. This is Chad Gable. I'm mighty excited to be here. Hello, hey, Crane. You excited for today? I am. I've been looking forward to this all week long. I'm dead excited. This is the most exciting time in my whole one week of commentating these matches. So this week, we're down with Valentinian, Otho, Caligula, and Julianus. Julianus? He's oh, going to yeah. do well. I hope he damn well will. And here they are coming out to the stadium. I've got to say, this week, very exciting. 
Ladder match. Ladder match. Talk me through this, chap. Well, Hickory, in this match, they have to climb up a 55-foot ladder and grab a totalis rankium coin from the top. Does the ladder need to be on fire? That was a stipulation by Caligula. However, the barbed wire is necessary. Okay, and here we go. Oh, they're coming out. Who is this? I can't make him out. Well, it, it is, is that Otho? Yeah, it's Otho. Look uh, at his haircut, man. It, it's, it's blowing in the breeze. Is, is that a toupee? It might be. He's grabbing ounce with That damn looks sure looks like a toupee. And here's Valentinian. Oh, oh, you can tell that's him. Look at him flanked by those two hairy beasts. Oh, my goodness. Otho's looking scared. He's grabbed his toupee and he's running. He's running, I say. He's actually running right towards the ladder. And as he's running towards the ladder, there's the third competitor. Oh, it's Caligula. Is that Caligula? Who's? He's not. He's he's chained up. He is chained up. And I believe he got a face guard as well. And I believe it's for everybody's safety he's in that. I, I, I believe so. And I tell you, I sleep sounder at night tonight knowing he is well and truly tied up. Here we go. It's the fourth one. I, I can't make him out. Chad, where is he? Well, he's scuttling behind some barrels over there. But, but is he? No, no, I think he's coming out. I think he's... he's... No, no, he's hiding. But I think that's a great strategy. He's hiding behind there because he knows the other competitors will kill each other. He can sneak in at the end. I see. And... I see it. It's great strategy. And straight away, Otho is going up that ladder. He is going up that ladder. He can't climb it very well. One hand's still on the toupee. But he's trying. Oh, the toupee's on fire. The toupee's on fire. He's burned his head. He's let go. He's fallen off. Oh, he's like he's fallen two, three feet there. He's boosting me, I say. I'll go as far to say he's even twisting his ankle. Oh, that's gonna hurt in the morning. Oh no, Goldflake is savage in his face. Maybe that's gonna hurt more. It's hard to tell, but there's Valentinian. He's oh, he's scrambling up there. He's oh. scrambling. He doesn't he's... care about the fire. He's going up there. He's reaching the coin. He's grabbed the first coin. He's got a coin. Caligula, he's still at the bottom. He's tied up. I'm so bad. He's, he's just saying, oh my God, he's smiling. He's looking at me. He's just smiling. What about Julianus? He's still at the back. What's he He's such a coward, Chad. He's just doing a great strategy. At the end of the match, he's going to come forward. He's going to wipe out the losers, and he will... Chad, he's dead. What? I think he had a heart attack. Oh, good God. I think it's all too much for him. He's dead. He's he... definitely dead. He's been shaking like an oak tree in a breeze. No, no, that's innocent shaking him. I wouldn't call it a shake. I'll call it a savage. Well, he's definitely dead. That just leaves us with Ofo, but he's on the floor. He's not competing anymore. Valentin's got a coin, though. He's definitely won this. He's coming back down, but I can't see how Ofo can't win this. Yeah, he's in pain, but Caligula's tied up. I'm glad he's tied up. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my God. Valentin is up halfway up the ladder. What's he doing, Chad? He, he's going to jump. He's going to jump on Ofo. Oh my god, he's jumped off! He's landed on top of Otho! Otho's head! Oh my god! But how's Caligula gonna get a coin? I don't know! He can't get there! I don't know! Valentini has a second coin! He has both coins? He has both coins! This doesn't work! He's heading over to Caligula! He's given the coin to Caligula! Good god almighty! This is a travesty! You gotta admire the dedication of Malatinian, getting it through that protective mask into the teeth of Caligula. Well, it stops the spitting in the body. It surely does, Chad. Well, I think we have our winners today. We do. Valentinian, 
Yeah, Caligula, a going through. And it's a shame that Otho will send a gift card to his family. And where's Julianus? Can he... Oh. I, I think he's been eaten, Chad. I can't see any remains. Just a pile of blood and a few sandals. It's actually quite sad. Pile of blood, pair of sandals, and a regretful looking bear. That's all we've got. And I can see Valentinian calling the bears to heal. And they're walking out into the semi-finals. Well, Chad, it was mighty good being here. It's been damn good and, and damn entertaining. I'll see you same time next week. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Brutal, I say. Absolutely. I just don't horrific. understand. People watch this. The children were screaming with joy. And they'd put them in the, the splash zone. I just don't understand. It was horrific. What happened to a good book? I have no idea. <sighs> anyway, see you next week, Cyril.